welcome to the Car Sim and Race Driver Show, presented by Hugh Hattrick. Here at Bathurst in the forest, my very special guest, it's a colleague, Rascal Rabbit, Josh Martin. It's great to have you back on the show. Try fast and try not to crash. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Car Sim and Race Driver Show. And we've finally got him. It is the man himself, the legend that is Tijney. Good evening, Tijney. Hello. <laughs> the ultimate player. Hey, <laughs> I was just saying earlier on in the chat before we started officially um, that everyone has been wanting me to get you on the show. Uh, whenever I get a comment on Discord or on the, or one of our other shows that we've done, they said, when are you getting Tijney on the show? And tonight, I can happily say we've managed to catch you for a few minutes um, to get you to, to ask you all these questions and things like that. Now, I will put on my comments here so that I make sure I don't miss anything here. But yes, we've already got lots and lots of people. So welcome to all our viewers and uh, get your questions ready. Um, because we'll be asking Tijney all sorts of things. Now you've got him where you want him. He's not racing, so he can answer your questions without the fear of crashing. So uh, we'll make sure that uh, we'll test him to the limit here with what you can answer, I'm sure. But uh, to take it from the start, now for some of your newer viewers and newer subscribers who maybe just have found out about you, um, how did you start gaming and getting into racing games? Um, so starting gaming... Um, I used to, when I was about six or seven, used to complain I was bored all the time. I'd play with my toy cars and then say, oh, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. So uh, eventually my mum and my nan, basically as a present, bought PlayStation 1 and Gran Turismo. And then the TV I had, this is the funniest part of the story, the TV I had, it used to roll. So I, I was, I, I'll always remember this. I was racing Grand Valley East. can't remember what the car I was in. I'd have to follow the picture up to the top of the TV and then look back down to then catch the bottom of it again. And that's oh, how I learned Grand Valley East as <laughs> I drove around. Uh, and then obviously from there, it's just it's just grown. But I always used to do weird challenges as well. So um, Formula One 96, or as it was called, just Formula One back then, um, yeah. driving on the TV camera around Adelaide uh, or doing the full distance Monaco race because why not when you're seven or eight years old? <laughs> You must have been having dreams about that in your sleep. Um, if you're doing Monaco, isn't it? Because like 81 laps or 79 laps of, uh, oh, that, yeah. lap of that racetrack, which is an incredible track. Um, all the bumps, all the currums, all the kind of stuff you have to avoid and seeing the tunnel and everything like that, which is amazing. So I suppose it just developed from there and then you got PlayStation 2 and so on and so forth. Or How, how did you find your racing developed? Well, um, the PlayStation 2 came out when I was still basically, uh, how old was I? Maybe 10 or 11? I'm not sure when the PlayStation playstation 2 came out so i actually missed that generation so i never played uh i never owned gran turismo 3 and 4 i did play them because my uncle had the playstation uh and i used to so what would happen is i'd go to school then go to my nan's house play on it for two hours and then go home and then obviously i couldn't play it then until the next day and do the same thing over and over and over again um so i kept doing that it's kind of funny really because when i was at high school people used to say they could beat me and i'd be like well, i've already been that time oh i've beaten that time as well but i wouldn't brag too much about it but uh i think it was well 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 said in the grand scheme of it or well thought uh bearing in mind that i got to gt academy so that's kind of funny really that's fantastic so what do you think it was that i mean do you think you just had so much practice and you just liked it so much that you're able to compete with the top guys in, in gt sport at the time or you know did, what would you say is you how did you develop your skill to do so well in gt sport um well it's a bit weird I, i'm naturally good at gaming in general so um before say gt academy i tried to become a professional in starcraft 2 um and i'd been good at uh any any game really so you know even role playing so i played world of warcraft and i literally would always try and be the best on the damage meters or the healing meters i'd always try and be the best and mm -hmm. then warcraft 3 when i originally played i'd always try and be the best there and then starcraft 2 the same i'd always try and be the best but You'd have, you have to put in 10 hours a day for StarCraft 2. I was at uni yeah. and I could only do four hours a day-ish. Uh, but then GT Academy came along. Um, and when the 2010 one, the Indianapolis one, 
happened. I sort of looked at it briefly and was like, I can compete here, but I didn't have the time at the time. So I was like, you know, I won't try it now. And then 2011 came around. I was like, I, could, I can do this. I can do this. So I started going for it. Uh, and what I did is I, I sort of, I, I planned my day and I always plan my day in a, in a way that's efficient. So um, I, I, I said I was going to do four hours a day. And because I was at uni, it's free, basically, in terms of I go to class and that's it. So it's an hour in the morning, an hour at uh, lunch, an hour in the afternoon, and an hour in the evening. And I'd analyze my best lap from each session. I'd uh, put them all into a spreadsheet and then work out what my best time could be. And then I'd keep pushing on like that. That's fantastic. I mean, so it's very detailed. So you mm. must have thought, I mean, uh, at the time, obviously, back in 2011, um, it, it was a, it was quite a different game then as well when you think of all the graphics and skills of what it can do. So you had to do all your kind of own, in effect, engineering as well. You're kind of, as you say, to learn where you could go faster and things like that. And what do you think is, you know, everyone wants to know how do you do a quick lap time? Um, what would you say are the skills you need to be able to do a lap, uh, you know, a fast lap? What What's the, the, the things that are going to make people fast on that kind of game? Um, it's about identifying your weaknesses, I would say. Like, it, it's all very well and good, say, looking at a ghost or a rank one time and going, okay, they're doing all of this. But, I, and it's a comment I quite often see, they's, like, they would say, how do you break so late? How do you do this? How do you do that? And while it might look easy, it's not necessarily that straightforward. So, um, I'd, while I, I might look at TRL Lightning's lap and I go, okay, I can see what he's doing there. Um, and then may, might break at the same point, but he might just carry that little bit more speed. So then it's trying to identify those little weaknesses. Um, and you really, you know, as you get closer and closer to the top times, you really have to understand and work out exactly where you're going wrong. Yeah. And then that's kind of a key thing to be able to do in order to get the fastest laps, because a lot of people will then look at it. So when I did GT Academy and I was doing the four hours a day, Mm-hmm. It's very easy for me to give up saying, oh, I can't do this. But I yeah. was really focused on each sector. Now, it was a custom track. I, I think it had six sectors. I Don't quote me on that, but I, it had a lot of sectors. And yeah. I was always comparing it to Titec because the guy's a legend. So literally every sector, I'd be like, okay, I did it this way this time. I did it that way that time. That time's a little bit quicker, but was that just a lucky one or one-off? Or, or, or did I do that multiple times? And then I'd really... I'd, it's like pinpointing very fine margins um and that's how you get like the ultimate lap lap but that's why there's always a difference and there's always been an argument in gran turismo time trialists versus racers um and how some like a racer can't be a fast time trialist and a time trialist can't always be a good racer either it's it's kind of weird yeah no i mean that's that's immense detail um for that kind of you know to go into a game like that um and not just to try and do a very good time but to to all the work that goes in to get that good time i suppose as you're saying that you knew that you could you could compete and potentially you could win it or you know be right up there and um, so it must have been a massive motivation at the time where you're thinking if i won this i could perhaps go on and be get into real racing as well or further your career was that one of the main goals yeah so i well one of the one of the requirements for gt academy is to have a driving license so um i had started driving lessons and i i i failed my first test weirdly for something that i would still choose to do now so it's a very bizarre fail even the my instructor was like yeah i wouldn't have failed you for that to be honest um mm. so um it's a bit annoying really um so then when that gt academy happened and i qualified for it i had to pass my driving test in a weekend if i didn't pass it i couldn't go so that was extra pressure on me and i did i did pass it but i was sort of I, I, I'm naturally talented with driving in a weird way. I'm not. I'm not necessarily the fastest driver out there, and I've always said this. There's always going to be a faster driver. Uh, I've always said my old teammate is is insane at driving. He's, he's much faster than me. But I was naturally talented at picking it up and just getting on with it quite quickly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just. I look. I looked at that. I was like, yeah, okay. I let, let's let, let's have a look at racing. Let let's see what I can do with racing. Now I look at racing and I pretend I would do it as a hobby. I don't think I'd ever want to do it as a career though. I I just don't I, it, like looking at it from this perspective, after seeing some people progress through the racing, how lethal it can be in terms of GT Academy graduates and all, all that stuff. I'm kind of, yeah, as a hobby, as something that you can do for fun or, you know, someone yeah. pays for you to race. Yeah, great. But uh, I would never want to do it as a full career. I don't think. 
I think it is it's a real it's a real specialist thing. And I suppose people like David Perel who've been able to do both, isn't it? Or starting on in real racing and then coming into sim racing and then and then kind of hosting that and, and it's a it's a yeah, it's an interesting combination to be sure. But I think it's incredibly cutthroat, as you say, and you've got to have a good bit of money and all, all the kind of strategies that you need yeah. to make that all kind of work. But um now one of our first questions that I've got here is uh, is from Stephen Scott. Um, and uh, actually, so Ted says he loves your attitude when you race. It seems like the more that goes wrong for you, the happier that you get. So his question is: Have you ever had a rage? And if so, can you tell me what video it is? Because he wants to watch it. <laughs> um, so I have I have raged before. I've done it. I I, I do rage. I, I'm only human at the end of the day. And if something irritates you so much, uh, it will get to you. Um, so I've always like. So I suppose. I've ever raged at another driver, I suppose. And yes, and the first time that ever happened in GT Sport was um, with a Portuguese driver. And I've always stood by the three-strike rule um, when I race, which is, you know, if, if you hit me off or, or, you know, you hit me and I go off, okay, it's a, it might be a mistake, you know. Um, if you then do it again, I'm like, mm, you know, you, you've really got to learn here. And if you do it again, I'm like, well, okay, you can't do it three times. That's not really fair. I'm just yeah. going to push back here. So uh, that that Portuguese driver in particular, uh, we were heading. So he'd already done it a couple of races already, and he and I had it in my head. I was like, he's going to absolutely just chuck it down the inside and not make the corner. Uh, Suzuka on the, on the chicane. Guess what? He did that. He hit me off, and I was like, oh, no, you're not having that, mate. Yeah, so yeah. I came back on track. I legged it after him. <laughs> a lap or two laps later, I caught up to him at the first turn. So I basically. Um, broke for the first turn, released the brakes a little bit to a point where I could pit maneuver him, hit his <laughs> right rear quarter, and he fired off into the barrier. I ended up finishing fifth in that race, amazingly, after being punted off. So I was fairly happy. <laughs> but I, that was a bit of a rage. And one thing I, I try not to do is hide away from that because the reason why I show my content isn't necessarily just to say, um, oh, yeah, look at this amazing driving all the time or whatever it might be, but mm. like realistic reactions. And I always say this with live streams as well never take what I say to heart in a live stream in a race situation. So yeah. I know some people might disagree with my opinion. Oh, I've gone for this move. I've gone for that move. Well, I don't have to overtake. That was a big drama. Um, but that's my opinion at the time and the what was happening at the time in the race. Afterwards, we can look at it and say, yeah, I was right. Yeah, I was wrong or, or whatever it might be. But um, I don't rage often. And it's like the other day um, when I was streaming yesterday, um, you know, the car seemed to have a bit different grip and I went to the back of the grid basically, but I just go, eh, the game can't change yeah. it now. I just carry on with the race. I'll try and learn something and move on with it. Yeah. That's a, I think that's the thing when you're in a live stream and you're racing away, um, obviously your emotions as well are going to be um, yeah. strained a bit. And if it all happens at once, you're more likely to get upset. But no, it's great that you're able to keep calm. And, and as you say, don't take things to heart when it's a live stream. Um, yeah. it's, you know, it, it's probably not meant in that way and people can take it out of context or exactly. things like that. But, um, now, we have a question, actually. Someone has made a comment. Inky1877 says, how do you only have 180 subs? Obviously, for my channel. Well, hey, that's a big question. We're growing the channel. So if you haven't already subbed, it was the first time that you've seen the, the channel here. It'd be fantastic for you to hit that like button. Down there somewhere, yeah, right? Yeah, down there. Um, that would be absolutely brilliant. I really appreciate it. And we've got the stars of the sim racing field here. And we've got a big back catalogue. Um, in fact, we've actually got um, a podcast of Tisley that we did about a year and a half ago. Um, and I remember because when we set it up, um, it came on the TV uh, on my monitor here. And it was it was showing a picture of your pedals. Because I know that your camera was working for your for the, your face, so we couldn't see you, but we can see your pedals. But I, in the end, it went out as a podcast rather than a video. But it is it's on the channel there, um, in, in the back catalogue. Yeah. Um, so it's fantastic having up these superstars of sim racing here on the show for you to ask questions. So make sure everyone in the chat don't be luckers. Write down your questions, and we'll get them. We'll get uh, Tinsley to answer them for you. Now we've got one here from Andrew Marr. And it says here, if uh, you were driving in as an amateur, what kind of series in wheel racing would you like to do? So I have actually already looked at it. So after GT Academy 2013, which is when I got to boot camp, uh, I was like, okay, I need to carry on this. Um, so uh, I had a friend who um, I met in Gran Turismo, actually, um, and he was doing MG Trophy, which is, uh, at the time, it had 
four classes inside it. Basically, MGZRs, different specs. Oh, basically, yeah. it went from 190. I think it was 190 brake horsepower all the way down to the the bog standard car, but you know, roll cage and and, and all that good stuff. Um, so I was like, oh, I could get into this. Now I, I think it's class B. I was looking at basically, uh, it was the most popular class because it's sort of like touring car esque. Yeah. Uh, it was good racing, um, but. You know, it still costs a lot of money at the end of the day. I think it was six to eight thousand pounds a season, I want wow. to say. Obviously, not including the yeah. car. So it's it's a lot. And mm. then I heard what some people were doing. So obviously they've got weight limits and power limits and stuff. So what some of the people who were put pouring money into these cars were doing was stripping them to the very bare bones and then adding the weight where it was best to have weight rather than what the car would where you would strip it down to the weight, they stripped it below the weight and added the weight back on. So I was like, oh, that's, you know, it's sort of, de- yeah, yeah. And you're sort of cheating the system essentially. So that was a bit frustrating, but I would love to do something like that, to be honest, as a hobby. Um, even if I got to race once a year, I'd be fine with that, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I remember speaking to a chap who used to do the touring cars and he said at the time you could race for the MG team. This was about, this was a good few years ago. Um, and it would cost you about £6,000. Uh, but if you could raise that kind of money, you got to drive in one of the touring car races or for one of the days, you'd get the three races. Oh, and I wow. thought, that's not bad, actually, because um, at the time, the MG was actually quite good. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it was for the official team. They were looking for people to do it at the time. Um, but so, so now that's the thing. But uh, I know that those kind of races do sound fantastic. And are you a bit of a fan of the touring cars in general as well? Is it, a, it you sometimes watch it? Is it something that, that you like? Uh, I do like touring cars. Uh, the problem is I've, I've full, I don't know what the word is, but basically I haven't watched it in the last couple of years. I, I don't know what it is, um, but I've sort of lost touch with it a little bit. And I don't know why, personally. Uh, I suppose one is that the program is the entire day and it's sort of like, uh, I don't really want to watch Motorsport from 10 a.m. till 6 p.m. And, and waste my entire day just watching yeah. it so then then I, I occasionally miss the start of the race and i'm like oh i don't yeah. want to miss i don't want to miss the start of the race because i don't want to watch the rest of the race so i have i do i do like watching it like I, i've been to live events all the time i go to Alton park quite a lot to watch them um but yeah i do like it but i've not really followed it in the last couple of years i need to get back into it to be honest i really do yeah now we've got another question i've got a couple here for you but first of all i'm going to do it from moore 1152 it's he says you make things look so easy, even during streaming. Do you not find streaming to be a distraction, especially in big races during official seasons? Um, not really. I mean, so um, how to explain this? So back when I played StarCraft II, um, uh, this is going to sound really weird. Okay, so <laughs> bear me bear with me with the actual explanation, and then you'll see, sort of see the outcome from this. So StarCraft II is a, a real-time strategy game, and the best players in the world will do three to 400 actions per minute uh, on the keyboard and mouse. Now, you know, imagine that on a per second basis. It's it's crazy. Now, my my actions per minute peaked between two and 300 potentially, but you've always got to be thinking at the same time as also doing all this stuff on the keyboard and mouse. Okay. So what, what actually happened during that StarCraft season was also the X2010 Vettel Challenge in GT5. And in that, you also had to think very quickly. And for some reason, playing these very, 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 very uh, fast-paced games allow you to then be able to think while also race. Because racing, actually, is kind of slow. Like, compared to a lot of of games, it's it's slow and you've got time to think and chat and, and, and do things, which is probably why it... I make it. I might make it seem easy. I suppose I'm not. I'm not too sure to be honest because I can. I actively know what I'm doing, and I can also, um, you know, focus on chat and have a, a bit of a conversation at the same time. And it's purely from my real time strategy gaming, uh, if I'm honest, because I'm having to think on the fly. And I'm World of Warcraft as well. Weirdly, like all my old school games. So in that, I was raid leading as well as playing my own character, trying to beat everybody. So at that point, I'm trying to control 24 other players in um uh, you know trying to defeat a boss whatever it might be yeah. while also trying to play my own character and then making sure they're not doing mistakes calling out what the the, the boss is going to do and then also still focusing on character and you know doing that stuff so the training to think very quickly very fast i think has helped me with the racing and streaming at the same time yeah well it sounds like you've got a great kind of mental capacity to be able to um take all that on and still be able to think as well as race because that's that's what they always used to say about schumacher wasn't it he was so fit um, you know, and you could race so well that it was so natural that you could think ahead 
and have the strategy yeah. always sorted out. Um, and it gave him that edge um, when he was racing for so many years. Um, but uh, so yeah, no, it's 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 fantastic. Now um, we've got a, a, a question from Bracing One. It says, "How do you come up with those awesome community championships?" <laughs> well. Uh... I don't know really. The Mini Madness. I can't remember how Mini Madness came about actually. Um, that's, that's a good question. I, I wanted to do something different. Like, see, the problem I find is that, I mean, I'm not allowed to reveal some stuff from what Gran Turismo said. So basically, Gran Turismo said they were going to do stuff for the community and then they never did. So I was like, why don't I do stuff um, for the community? So that's why I wanted to do a community championship because, yes, okay, the, you have the world finals and world tours, but it's sort of like, Okay, that celebrates 20 people, 30 people. Uh, you know, there's thousands of people that do the FIA here. So I was mm. sort of like, mm, okay, let's, let's go to a community championship. And then at the end of it, I was like, why don't we just get trophies? I mean, there should be trophies for this. It's, yeah. it's yeah. a good bit of fun. People have put so much effort into it. So then we did Mini Madness, and then we went on to, well, the Fugu Frenzy. That was a lot harder to pick the car. I went through every single manufacturer and every single car, and I listed the ones that sounded suitable, looked suitable, potentially were suitable. Uh, then we got it down to five or six cars, and it was like, mm, okay, we tried them on stream, you know, different cars. We got a good feeling for the final few, and then it was like, okay, yeah, we know what we're going to pick here. Uh, and then we went with um, the Fugu. But again, it's because I didn't want just, the top aliens to win so in the first season um the best players uh won that or it appeared to me that the best players won that but i wanted to give more awards out for different yeah. things so you know you you might not necessarily be an alien but you may come out with the the best overtake of the season like Mizen 22 in round five did the moses maneuver on the corner now that to me is one of the best moves i've seen in a long long while uh and you know Mizen's not peak peak level but mm. that's an overtake that can potentially get a prize there. and that's why I I, I I i do the community championship and that's why i sort of want to come up with different ideas as well because grand Turismo sort of do their the, their own thing but i want to do my own thing with different things and create funky championships in in that you know just give us a bit yeah. of fun and interest yeah and it gives a real kind of lively community as well to the game which is fantastic yeah yeah exactly where you've seen the growth and how it's all come about which is brilliant now uh, we've got Kirith Cart in the in the chat as well, um, and uh, he has asked a question about your driving test. And he said, "Come on, Tijni, what what was the incident in your first driving test? What went wrong?" Okay, so um, basically, I was coming up to a junction, and a car was parked on the junction on the left hand side. So, um, and I could see nobody was in the car. So in my mind, I was like, well, okay, I don't want to block the entire junction, road, road junction. I'm turning left. So, you know, if anyone comes around the corner, they can still get round. So I drove close to the car, you know, I could see nobody was in it, drove left, indicated, carried on as normal. Um, he said that was a fail because I didn't, I didn't know whether someone was in the car, but I was like, in my head, I was like, I can see but yeah, apparently yeah. that doesn't matter so yeah um that was the reason i, I failed because i drove too close to the car and that's oh. literally it yeah <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate isn't it i would say allow for a meter's distance or something isn't there or something yeah crazy. yeah, yeah. And, and I, i'd say i would actively still do that same decision right yeah. now <laughs> i know that's the thing isn't it that um now we've got another question about your favorite class of cars in gran turismo sport um, do you have a favourite car, or do you check for the top ten fastest lap times like the rest of us do? Uh, okay, so in, in terms of favourite class, it's Group Three GT3 every single time. I love that. Um, I'm a big fan of Blanc, the Blanc Pan Endurance Series in real life. Um, so I always go to Group Three. If there's ever a Group Three race on, I'm there. I'm boom. I'm there. Um, it's probably why I like ACC um, quite a lot as well. But in terms of car, I like the Audi R8, I'll be honest. <laughs> I want to own one eventually. So, um, you know, if I can, yeah, if the Audi R8 is available, I will pick it and I will go for it. Um, but uh, I have a, I have a soft spot for the Peugeot RCZ Group 3 car as well. I really, really do like that car as well. Yeah. I, it's, 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 I remember it at the Blancpain race last year. Um, the Audi R8s, they sounded really good. Very, yeah. very distinct. A bit like the Lamborghinis as well. And it yeah, it? V10s forever. Them. That, um, but no, and they were loud. I remember saying that to David Perel. I was surprised at how loud they were, um, yeah. which was great. So you really got the feel and the emotion as the cars went round um, the corners and into the complexes. It was it was great fun uh, to watch them. But uh, well, I'm sure you'd be well on your way to getting yourself an R8 uh, 
um, or uh, they, 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 they're some some machine. Um, but I think they're still around, isn't it? I think they're still producing the R8 now, so you never know. They uh, are, so, but but I don't want a new one. I only like the Gen One R8, so uh, I want the old one. Yeah, yeah, no, they are. I mean, they're very distinct, and that noise and the look and the whole design—it's a yeah. lovely design. I think that will definitely be a classic. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. So now that you know PS5 has been launched um, and GT7 is on its way, what do you think GT7 will have that 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 that, that we don't have at the moment? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be careful. I'm gonna be careful with this one. <laughs> I know some stuff I'm not allowed to say. Um, okay, so uh, obviously the offline stuff, it'll have a lot more. It'll, it'll be GT old school esque, should I say? So uh, there's gonna be. I assume there's going to be licenses anyway. I don't know for certain with that, but I'm assuming there's going to be licenses um, and all the old school stuff that we've experienced from previous games for sure. Um, one thing I am interested in, and one thing I am I don't know the answer to, is that whether they're going to um, continue with the whole FIA championship sort of thing. Right. Like, how how can you define it as a success? Is it a success? Um, mm. Like in the grand scheme of it, you know, you look at Gran Turismo; it's got seven is it seven million player base or whatever it might be, wow. uh, and only le- less than a hundred thousand are competing in it. Is that a success? I, I I don't know. I don't know how they would deem it a success or not. So. Yeah. I don't know whether that would continue. Um, I would really, really, really love to see them separate FF cars from Group 4. Um, I, they just don't belong there. <laughs> I, it, it drives me nuts. They've got this big opportunity to make a touring car class. Group T, yeah, Group F, yeah. whatever you want to call it, it's there. It's available. Just put them in there. Uh, yeah. You know, They already know that from the daily races, so I'm hoping that happens. Um and I did the big thing I want more than anything is big car grids. I mean, if, yeah. if we can have 30, 40 car grids, I'd be over the moon with that. Like that's my perfect game then summed up. You know, I wouldn't need to play any other game. Um and oh yeah, 30, 40 car grid. Because then you can have multi a proper multi-class race. Um mm. and I know I well, there's there's something I suppose I I, I can say because this um well, I don't know if it's in GT seven or not. But one thing that we've asked quite a lot at the World Tour events is for driver change, you know. So right. a lot, of, a lot of the games uh, have driver change. Uh, and last time we spoke about it at a World Tour event, uh, they were investigating that. So mm. whether that ends up in the game or not, I don't know. But I know they are investigating that. And they do play. By the way, I don't know if everyone knows this. They play every other racing game out there. They do try them. They don't just play Gran Turismo. They have accounts for them all. They play them all. You know, they wow. are. They, yeah. they see the best bits of everything. And, you know, so what we end up with Gran Turismo is obviously going to be the best for that console, uh, mm-hmm. which is why GT Sport hit its limits and they had to downgrade the amount of players that could play online and all that stuff. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And the big question as well is that what do you think of the current penalty system? Um, do you think it kind of works well? You know, I've had quite a mixture of responses from different drivers. Uh, what's your take on the current penalty system? Uh, I don't think it works well, if I'm honest. Um, so I actually did a video on this, and basically, I don't understand why it's uh, designing a penalty system which is 100% foolproof and works every time impossible. Like I understand that completely, but it just feels like it's very hit and miss. And in my opinion, there's quite a few uh, things they could do. Very easy things I would say as well but i don't know how the game's designed uh that could really really um uh improve the penalty system quite a lot so yeah. to get to give you an example obviously bumper drafting sometimes will give you a penalty because it sees it as a brake check yeah, but it, 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 there's no reason for it to see it as a brake check if both drivers have 100 percent throttle input it's definitely not a brake check so i don't understand why they can't when there's a point of contact log both the inputs of both drivers quickly calculate that they were both 100% at the point of impact. Therefore, it's not a brake check, continue racing. Um, but then when we get to a corner, for example, um, so I sort of said this in the video, there should be a straight penalty system and then a corner penalty system. So if you hit someone from behind in a corner, the driver behind more than likely is probably at fault. So then doing something yeah. involving that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, because it does. It does it's, it's so annoying if somebody hits you and then you go off the track and then you don't get anything. Um, and then that's exactly. it. And then they ruin your race and you're going to start from the back. 
um, but uh, all those kind of things, and they know when to touch you every time they're hitting you from the behind, um, yeah. and then you're getting an SR down as well. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to defend my position or just mind my own business, and they're just kind of clattering into you. Um, but uh, no, it's 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 quite a thing. Uh, now, Adventure Racing has said the penalty algorithm is so confusing; it's never consistent. I wish they just told us what you actually got a penalty for, and that would probably help. Um, well, to be fair. The, 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 I suppose the, the, the funny thing is they did add the reason for it now in that penalty system, you know, where it says ignoring track limits and collision with another car. But the problem is sometimes you get a penalty and it doesn't say anything. And it's sort of like, well, uh, hang on, you've added the reasons, but this penalty has said, said nothing. So you've just given me a penalty, but absolutely not. It's like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> just tell me the reason. Uh, and uh, like, in for real, though, the, the the reason sometimes is wrong. And it's sort of like, well, yeah, I didn't collide with a car. They collided with me. But again, that's why I think that if they just, it's weird because I'm very, I'm a very logical person. So I, and when I program at work or, or, or design something, I'm very step by step by step. What's the logic behind this, this, and this, and this? Uh, and what happens in the real world? And I think sometimes uh, a developer or a programmer can get st- Duck with just the theory behind it and not the actual reality. Um, especially, you know, um, in Asia, they're very trusting people. Like when I went to Japan, it was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. They're so trusting of everything. Whereas in Europe, I would argue we're very not trustworthy in the grand yeah. scheme of it compared to the Japanese. Yeah. Um, so they they may design a penalty system based on trust, but that isn't going to work very well in Europe. So I, I do think there's a bit of an issue there in that sense as well. Well, it's just like that whole queuing system, isn't it? You go to Spain, and as Brits, we kind of wait in a queue, and then we find everybody else just piles on in front, and, then, and that's it. And you're left looking to think, well, hang on a minute, um, you know, that's, that's the way it all works. But uh, but no, as you say, yeah, it's different different kind of character traits for different countries and cultures. Yeah, and um, that's probably maybe I hadn't have to say I hadn't thought about that. Um, of course, the Japanese culture being very kind of calm and reassuring, isn't it? So um, that's the kind of that's the kind of thing. And how do you think, in in terms of the new game, that they can improve the driver experience? Because I've, I've noticed that most sim racers that I watch, they they don't really have an interior cockpit view. They tend to always either be on the front bonnet, um, or maybe it's the one with the you know with the dials and speedo and things on the front. Yeah. Um, do, why do you think that is that we don't tend to play um, with an interior view on things like Gran Turismo Sport? Uh, well, in in reality, or uh, I suppose in reality and my opinion, um, racing in cockpit view in real life is a weakness. It's the same as dirty air is a, a weakness in real life. So um, if you can get rid of a weakness and give yourself more oversight on a track, give you more visibility, then why not take it? And that is literally it. So drivers would go towards the strongest camera The you know, basically whatever gives you the best opportunity to go the quickest. You pick that view. Lewis Hamilton said himself he uses uh, chase cam because he sees the car. He knows exactly the width of the car to go around corners. It's that same principle. He sees that as the biggest strength, so he goes for that camera. Aye, I know that's that's it. Yeah, it's it. I suppose that's it. You're taking away a weakness. I mean, you, I suppose you've got the diehard to think right. I want to have it on an on a in you know in car view as if to make it as real as possible. But they are putting themselves out um, in terms of being uh, competitive. That um, well, I have to say for everyone who's watching tonight, you're getting the absolute keys of how to drive faster and faster because that's not something that maybe everyone would think about um, and how they approach a race. Um, now we've got another quick question from Andrew Myers. Says, "Have you ever got a penalty for being ahead on the racing line at the 130R at Suzuka?" Uh, I have had some strange penalties before now. I'm not sure I've had one there, but uh, I got oh, I had a cracker the other week in a in a weekly race guide. Uh, I apparently ran a car off, but the only car that went off was my car. I, I'm still confused by that to this day. <laughs> I even rewound the replay and was like, "Where's the car? Forcing another car track? Where? What? I can't see anybody." <laughs> it's kind of crazy. And on on that kind of note, do you think that I mean the damage on GT Sport has never been? more than a kind of thump and a bang and that's about it um do you think that's a good idea and, and this should be maintained or do you think it should go more down the kind of acc line and maybe start having damage on it and you know potentially critical damage that could throw you out of a race if need be well i suppose the big thing to me is that gran turismo is very much and they, they say this in their advertising as well it's for everyone so while we may want damage and the theory behind damage is very good 
uh, little uh, Jimmy, who's nine years old, yeah. he just wants to race and go out and have fun. So if you crash his car on the first lap, you're going to just ruin his fun instantly. So um, yeah. I see Gran Turismo being in the right sort of area, uh, especially mm-hmm. when you also consider the the size of the the, the population. As I, as I said earlier, it was, I think it was seven million that the last number I heard, and. If you've got 7 million drivers, you've got 7 million internet connections. And they're not all going to be very good. Now, Gran Turismo can do anything they want in terms of netcode. But if you just get hit off because somebody's lagged and you have terminal damage on lap one, race one, or whatever it might be, you're not going to be very happy. So I, 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 they did try damage on. And every race I did with damage on in that FIA season... Not one incident was my fault, and it was all race ending every single time. And it's not fun in the slightest. So while the theory is good, in reality, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work in a game like Gran Turismo. iRacing and and stuff like that, you know, dedicated sims, people are going very hardcore. Yes, it works. In Gran Turismo, it definitely doesn't work. Yeah. No, that's the thing. I mean, it's the kind of explosion of sim racing with, you know, more and more people buying, um, you know, with sim racing gear, with, you know, steering wheel pedals and a seat. It's kind of think where will it go next? Because some people, you know, it's one of the things that hasn't done so well is like the um, the motion simulators. Mm-hmm. They haven't really taken off um, as I think maybe people thought they might. Maybe I mean some of them have come down in cost and different things. But um, it's not you don't really see many sim racers um, or something on YouTube that have big motion sims. It all tends to be just the best stuff that's available out there on the normal kind of standard market. Do you think there's going to be a reason why motion? simulators haven't really done well for racing games um i think it, the problem is racing games are by nature competitive and a motion rig reduces your competitiveness because uh literally you're forcing movement in the body and again it's one of these real life weaknesses essentially in the fact that you have to build strength you have to build fitness it's another added complication to the racing so if you can just sit still and just drive then mm your consistency will improve because you're forever in the same position and rather than your body doing this or doing that it's only your foot doing that and that is more consistent therefore you will go faster and that i suppose that's the big the big difference between motion sims and and standard sims i do expect vr to pick up in the next few years if i'm honest vr is very good for racing you won't see streamers probably use it but you will see a lot more people pick up vr i, I suspect Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it's funny how it hasn't taken off so far as much um as again it's what people thought because when it came out with the ps4 this was the big thing wasn't it um but it was making people a wee bit kind of queasy in yes. some places i think they just weren't used to it um with that kind of uh kind of setup but yeah that'd be good to see that getting better um i played it once on a, on a on a classic simulator um it was in a proper cockpit of a lotus 63 um and then they put the vr goggles on and actually i thought it was it was amazing because you just see everything you see yeah. everything around you um, I've I've done it as well. I was in a competition um, where I had to use VR, and it's it's so Snetterton has got the fast right and then into the hairpin, um, mm. and I just found it amazing basically because normally in a hairpin in a game you're waiting to see the exit, whereas yeah. I could just go, oh nice, I know where the exit is, and I could I I went faster in VR because I could oh. see the exit and I knew yeah. I wasn't. So I, I've mentioned this with Suzuka a little bit when doing fast uh, fast time trials. At the hairpin at Suzuki, you're always waiting for the exit. But if I can just look left and know that I can see the exit, you can judge it better and you can go a little bit quicker. Um, and in racing, you should always look into the apex. So it, it will make people faster. That's why I expect VR. When the technology gets there, I mean, it's building up quite nicely now. Um, I, I'm pretty sure VR will take off. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Now, we've got a question from Loopy Racing. Um, it is, what is the most amount of clean races in a row you've seen or heard about? Or even perhaps what have you achieved in your own career on GT Sport? I actually don't know the answer to that question, if I'm <laughs> honest. Um, because I, like, I know how funky Gran Turismo can be. So I, I sort of just race and then if I get a clean uh, a clean win, happy days. If, if Because sometimes I leave in a little nudge and it'll discount it. So I've always just, I've never really paid attention to it, to be honest with you. Yeah. So yeah. And I've, I've not heard about anybody actively going for like, a thousand clean races. I mean, that yeah. would be quite mind-boggling, to be honest. I know Libby said he'd done 39. He managed to do 39 oh, wow. clean races in a week. Which that I is pretty good going. Miraculous. <laughs> I think I've yeah. had four in my career um, of doing it. And it was always one that you go, you think, oh, I want a great run, and then something happens, and then that's the end of it. 
Um, but uh, now we've got a great uh, question from Jan Hendrik Juin. Uh, what is your most, or what is your, your favourite game that you've ever played of all the games you have ever played? Oh, that is a that's a tough one. Oh, now it depends. Okay, so the the game I've played for the longest amount of time. Let 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 me just say this one is obviously going to be. Or more than likely will be world of warcraft uh i played that for a very long time and put in a lot a lot of hours so that is going to be well that that's into the years of play time you know if i did a you could do slash played and you, it would tell you how long you've been online on that character that was in the years but the best game that'd be tough that'd be so so tough i mean i, I wouldn't even say it's a racing game if i'm honest so i'm probably disappointing most people um <laughs> Like I, I do like um I'll say World of Warcraft, Warcraft three, that sort of thing is gonna be up there to be honest. Um I, I really do love those. And any any theme park building games, oh, I love them. I love building games. I don't know why. It's just yeah. Maybe <laughs> a theme park building game, I have to admit. But I know it does sound it sounds like you can make some fairly lethal roller coasters and a few other bits and pieces if anyone survives them. And that sounds like a, a good laugh, but uh now we've we've got a question from Fat Furby. It says, "Would you like to see another GT Academy happen?" Ooh, interesting. I I I think one. Yes, I I, I would say yes, but I would like to see it in a different format, um, as in how the driver goes about getting into racing. Because I, I feel like so it started off as a driver, you know, looking for the talent, and it ended up in becoming just a marketing competition very very quickly um yeah. so i wouldn't like to see it do what gt academy did where they were having five or six competitions a year for different regions for you know so basically each nissan company or group would put in money basically and that you know when germany did had their own germany nissan germany put in a million euros uh yeah. nissan us put in over a million dollars uh and that and like that for example i wouldn't want to see it go down that sort of route Picking one a year, one every other year, yes. L let them do that. You know, give them a year, uh, first year, find the driver, give them a year to really develop the driver, you know, get them racing, and then potentially look for another driver and do it on a, uh, yeah, you know. Scale of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One, one year on, one year off sort of thing. I think that would be good. I think that would be really good and there'd be a take-up for that. But other than that, I wouldn't... The problem is it becomes marketing very quickly and... You know, yeah. the drivers lose out. So if people didn't know, Nissan in the contract and one of the winners actually declined signing the contract, which is why you never heard of him again. It's one of the German winners. They in their contract, I believe it says they'll take something like 10 or 20% of your salary for a given amount of time, plus um any winnings you got you had to give something up. And then you got a certain salary anyway from Nissan. But this, one of the winners was going to be earning like half their wage and then giving even more up to Nissan for the remainder of the years, even though they weren't racing for them potentially in years to come. So yeah. there was and a lot of good. sneaky clauses in there you had to be very careful of. Yeah, yeah. No, that doesn't sound so good. I, mean, I always thought if they ended a competition, I, I would love to see something like Formula Ford on Gran Turismo because I yes. think that would be a great fun uh, uh, kind of championship and you could do it at places like Brands Hatch, all the famous... Yeah runs out. and i think that would get a big following as well um and that maybe has sort of done Sorry? so that, that has been done sort of so in project so there was a team that did this because mm. i tried for it and one of my teammates got us won it actually i'm not sure whether i'm not sure what happened with that, actually uh and and um seb um seb job uh he he won it as well he won the first time but they were doing formula ford round when I did it, Brands Hatch Indy, I think it was, on an old Project Cars version. Um, Project Cars, yeah. Yeah, and they just basically did that. They did the, you bet you paid to enter, which is kind of a good way to fund it, for it to get funded, yeah. and do it yeah. that way. Um, and then the winner got a season in Formula Ford, basically. That would be amazing. But yeah, something like that would be, I think that would be a fantastic way for Gran Turismo to do it, or, or more either a single-seater or a particular model of car or type of yeah. car. Because um, that's the kind of thing they could even do a kind of budget race, you know, so that then they could put them into a budget championship, like what we were talking about before. Exactly. Like, that's what I'd like to see. I think that's much better. I think that would be, imagine if you had, you know, 15 uh, GT uh, sport champions or kind of winners in a touring car race 
like that because that would be you know it's kind of more affordable and a bit more exactly. and then you see the skills coming out of how these guys adjust to from sim racing to real racing um i think it'd be great to watch as well and i think exactly be, I, I, I think the critical thing from that as well is that it's affordable for the manufacturer or, or whoever runs it it's still racing which a lot of the competitors want to do anyway so yeah. it's a win-win basis for not a lot of money and quite a lot of marketing and 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 publicity yeah. so it actually makes more sense to do it that way rather than chucking him into a full season of gt3 while also doing this and doing that and it's costing millions upon yeah. millions or whatever yeah. it might be because that's that, that that's that's not sustainable for any company it really is yeah. but i think it would do a lot more for grassroots motorsport as well yeah he's kind of oh, yeah. easily duplicatable across uh, europe and across america across asia it's the kind of thing that could quite easily um replicate um and i think it just gets more people involved so that's the game they all want to play because it's got these potential for um for real kind of racing results and things like that isn't it yeah yeah but, yeah exactly that uh, now we've got a question from blake zakavi i think if i pronounced that right i hope i have um is there anything in your racing or sim racing career that you would like to go back and change or do differently mm. now i would like to go back and change my gt academy 2013 boot camp running a telemetry test that's one thing i would like to change um <laughs> But uh, would I do anything differently in any races? Um, the, the only thing I can think of recently, I suppose, is um, last, uh, no, this year, last year. No, they, no, it was this year. I'm getting confused with the years now. Um, when I was, ra- so I started tryharding for like three or four rounds for Audi. Um, and yeah, maybe I could have done some things better there, to be honest with you. Uh, or the Monaco event, actually, I just that's just come to mind as well. Going for the move with uh, three wide on that uh, on that hairpin. If I could somehow change that, because what happened, I don't know if it was caught on camera enough, but before the long straight, before the hairpin, I clipped the barrier. If I could just change that and go one mile an hour slower, I wouldn't have even been overtaken, and the whole event we could have got third and got the trophy and done a shoey and gone absolutely barmy. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, it didn't happen. So what's been some of your, you know, like your biggest events that you've done? Obviously, you've done a lot of the Grand Turismo uh, finals and things. Um, what's been the, what's the one that kind of stands out most in your career of racing for Grand Turismo Sport? Uh, ooh, 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 ooh. That's a good question. So I've got to say Australia does stand out a lot. That was a really good event. Uh, one event that people don't talk about often, actually, is Salzburg 2018. That was one of the best events they ever did. Um <laughs> Because it was actually the fairest event they've ever done. It sounds weird, but if you ask a lot of the competitors that went to the Salzburg 2018 event and then did other events as well, they will say that was the best event. Um, and even then, there was some unfairness in there with practicing and stuff. And they learned from that, actually, the following year we went to Salzburg. But um, yeah, in terms of best events, Salzburg 2018, in terms of overall best events, in terms of just everything it, it'll be between sydney and madrid because madrid's atmosphere in the stadium was mad like oh yeah. man yeah that was that was mentally a bit there's that much of a crowd there is yeah it's crazy uh, oh that's the thing i uh, so amazing i mean I, i've watched obviously the monaco one because um, super gt i remember went went to that and did a video uh, yeah. on that. that that looked incredible because i've been to monaco the year before um and um, just for a wee kind of day trip i was staying in the south of france for a holiday for a wee while um, and it was incredible. Even it was after the Grand Prix, they were taking down all the scaffolding and things, but it still had an incredible atmosphere. Uh, and I mean, I, I dragged my whole family at the time, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, all the way around the track to the I tunnel. Did, I did that. All the way. <laughs> you kind of you have to if you're there, isn't it? You have to see the whole thing, you know? And you bore your, your, your kind of partner silly with telling them about, oh, this is how fast they go through here and all, you know, <laughs> and all the rest of it. Um, but no, it's an amazing, amazing place. And to go all the way to Australia, I mean, that was a fantastic event. Um, where do you see it going in that way? Do you think once COVID eases, they'll be back to more incredible events around the world? I don't know, you know. Um, so um, they lose money every event at the moment, as far as I'm aware, um, because it's such a big production. Now, it is a brilliant production. Um, yeah. There's there's still improvements that could be made. Uh, and again, it's very much a, a marketing exercise more than for the drivers they do try and help the drivers a little bit but uh i mean i don't i don't know what 
the drivers have shown from this year's regional finals, world t- world final event. I think it might just be the world final drivers, but a lot of them will be getting big parcels and they have to set everything up themselves. Uh, it's kind of mad, but um, I don't see it being as big. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, as I said before, the seven million um, people who have played Gran Turismo, oh, that was the last number I saw. And if only a hundred thousand, under a hundred thousand, are competing FIA. Yeah. I mean, personally, I would call that a failure, but I know it's been a good championship, but I don't see it being, that's not a success to me. The whole point is that more and more people should have competed, but obviously the, the, that's not happening. That's not the case. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't, they have to change something in order for it to improve. Otherwise it is just going to fail like completely. So yeah, it's a hard one to me. I don't see it staying the same. That's for sure. Do you think, I mean, in the old GT sport games, you used to get a rallying challenge. And so you'd have to do it like a, you know, a group, rally car and do a, a snow stage and a dirt rally stage kind of thing uh, do you think that would be quite good as a as a as a different type of championship for people to do um perhaps on gt sport or do you think maybe there's not enough um kind of maybe uh, followers for that kind of thing um i don't think the game suited for that if i'm honest like at, at the end of the day there are rally games for rallying um and mm-hmm. I, I think if you wanted to do a rally competition go to a rally game you know, if you want to do circuit racing, go to a circuit racing game. So Grand Turismo there is, is, is kind of good, but I don't see it working out. I mean, we've done a rally event at a world tour uh, in Paris in 2019. Um, and, you know, we're meant to be the, the best of the best when we're at these events. And it was horrendous driving. It was rubbish. Um, I mean, some of the driving was good, but there was so much contact and everything. I, 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 yeah, it's not it wasn't, going to be good yeah. in a competition. Yeah. And do you ever see yourself doing more championships in a set of Corsa competition and things like that? Would you like to do a lot more of that? And maybe and things like the SimGrid uh, with David Perel. Would you like to maybe compete in some of the, the races that he does? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've already said to uh, to, to Dave that I, I will do it. I tried to sign up for a daily race every day, actually, but um, I couldn't get signed in for some reason. So I was going to look at it afterwards. It was really right before the stream. So I was like, oh, yeah, I can't do that then. Um, but yeah, no, 100%. Uh, there's... I want to either do a couple of leagues for ACC or something like that, or or at least do... I want to race every week in ACC. That is no question. I do enjoy that game. Um, I mean, I, I, I think I mentioned this earlier. It, it's very similar to Gran Turismo. It's just a little bit more serious. But at the moment, ACC is giving me this magic that GT gave me in 2018. Uh, GT's, in my opinion, in the FIA especially, and I think this is why maybe they're losing people. I don't know. It's lost the, It's lost the magic with the current way it's working. And ACC in, in the races, even on the competition server races, it gives me this little magic, this little buzz. Oh, nice. Okay, I've got a race. It's my one chance. I've got to, you know, make sure I don't crash, although I keep bottling it apparently. Uh, and then, you know, I've got to really think about the race. And that that is what is missing, I think, in GT at the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we've got a, a question from Racing. It says, um, beside your driving school, um, will you want to do personal coaching? Like for example, coach other sim drivers. Yeah, that's that's always been on the cards. To be honest, because I I, I get asked it a lot. Can you teach me, etc. Um, uh, and and stuff like this. So it it will happen. It, I've always said it'll happen after the driving school finishes. Now the driving school is going to finish before the end of the year, uh, and then I just need to. Um, so one thing I don't want to do is suddenly go into this coaching um, exercise and then. The, the community as a whole feel neglected. I don't know how to word this properly, but basically I don't want the YouTube content to suffer if I then go and do this. So I need to just need to make sure that, you know, if I do do one-to-one tuition, um, it's there and available. Um, now, obviously that wouldn't be for free just because that's time. Then that would go into a, the YouTube content. So I've got to be careful of that uh, yeah. at the end of the day. Um, but it's stuff that would then be invested into the YouTube channel um, so it's kind of like a, it works alongside each other, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as I, I've got all that to work out. So there's a lot to work out, but it will be happening. Um, I can say that for sure. Uh, that will be happening. And do you think eventually, is it your goal to become full-time um, kind of YouTuber, kind of sim racer? Or do you think you always kind of want to have something else there as well? Um, unless my mortgage is paid off, I would never do YouTube full-time. Or unless I was suddenly earning some random amount of money like i won the lottery or something but i don't i don't see youtube um as a full-time career unless 
you're very, very safe financially, I suppose is the best way I, I can word it. Um, like it, So I've, I've had a bad experience with YouTube recently with ad revenue just being taken away for no reason whatsoever, for example. So it's that sort of thing and that sort of risk. I've always said to people that I wouldn't want to go to bed at night knowing that the income could just disappear totally if I was a full-time YouTuber because yeah. that, that would just stress you out entirely. So, you know, having my full-time job is fine. You know, doing the, 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 the YouTube stuff is fine as well. You know, if there's ever a cross and a clash and then suddenly stuff happens, it happens. I'll have to deal with that at the time, but I don't see myself being a full-time YouTuber personally. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. And here's on a, on a, on a, on a more kind of uh, funny note, because I know there has been issues with YouTube and things like that with, with a lot of channels kind of struggling here and there um, with different problems and errors from their algorithms and things like that. Um, that um, when you obviously see people like Super GT uh, and David Perel and uh, Rory and and the uh, uh, key uh, twenty five, um, would you ever like to? Ra- and obviously, you no doubt race them in on on the sim games and on GT Sport and things. Would you ever like to do a real race with them? Um, and uh, maybe perhaps for a kind of charity event or something like that. Get you all together and uh, and 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 if so, who do you think would win? I'd love to do something like that, to be honest with you. So I, I like to do anything that's a bit of fun, a, a laugh, and a, and all that good stuff. Uh, who would win? So if it was karting, uh, I think Super GT would win straight off the bat. That's that's uh, job done. Although I would like to think I could give him a good run for his money. So when the GT World Finalists 2019 in Monaco, we all had go karting, uh, go karting event there, and mm. I was. Well, I, I would think I'm. I was seventh, and top six made the final. So I was just outside the final that was shown on YouTube. So yeah. you know, I could give I give him for the money, and I lost a bit of weight since then as well. So I lost ten kilos. So I'm, I, I reckon I could give a good run for 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 the money. But Super GG would probably beat me in karting. Uh, and then when it came to racing, I I don't I don't know. David will win probably by a, a mile. Obviously, being a professional racing driver. But as it was, if you're on if you're on the Sims, if you did a big event when it was just. You are, you know, five of you or so, all the top, all the top chaps, um, kind of racing there on sim racing and doing different, uh, I suppose, categories. Yeah, I think, I think it would be a very, very close call, wouldn't it? It'd be quite an exciting event. Yeah, um, it'd be good fun to do. Do you think there's a reason why we've got so many Brits out there, um, that have, you know, that have done so well with YouTube as sim racers and you know, making this content and building the communities? Do you think there's something there, um, that just seems to work? Um. I'm not actually sure if I'm honest. Maybe just everybody likes our funky English accent. I don't know, really. Uh, uh, <laughs> I honestly don't know why. Um, I'm sure there's maybe it's just the fact that we're YouTube dilutes it to us, maybe, and there's actually millions of others that we just don't see because, yeah, I, don't, I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, the UK does have motorsport heritage in, in essence so yeah. it's sort of with us in a nutshell from the very beginning it's you know it is a part of britain as in car culture motorsport and all that yeah no that's that's the thing i mean that's how many people i know myself from just starting out and kind of when youtube really kind of it grew so much in the kind of mid the kind of from 2010 onwards and i remember started watching uh just racing videos and it's kind of kind of funny to think i'm watching somebody race playing a game and it kind of seems a bit absurd at the start but then you really get into it and then that's how i found super gt and so on and then yourself and others and you know so you start watching how you all race and then you kind of you know almost made little notes here like nice hey, this is what gary does for this bend or this is how you know any anything that you were saying that was and he was noteworthy um you would write down these kind of tips so if you've got tips you've got all these wonderful followers they're watching you and subscribers what would be you say your top three tips um that they could get from you for um, doing a faster lap and also how to improve your racecraft? Um, so one of the key things is to focus on one corner rather than an entire lap. It's very easy to get overfaced very quickly. So the first tip would be to focus on one corner. Forget about the rest of the lap. Just focus that one corner. It'll be good if that one corner is just one sector because then you can really nail it down. So the the, the actual GT Sport driving school is kind of good for this because you know they do pick out a time, uh, you know, the time one corner or one little section of the circuit. So it's really good if you do that. Um, second tip would be just have fun, I suppose, because it's very easy to get negative very quickly uh, with anything to do with racing. Uh, you know, the minute you lose a race, you're like, ah, oh, I've wasted all my time. But at the end of the day, you should be doing racing for fun anyway. Uh, yeah. You know, 
only one person will win. The rest will not win. So, you know, if you're going out there to solely win, you're not going to have a fun time and therefore not want to improve or, or anything like that. Uh, and then the third one is, ooh, what can we do for the third one? I suppose be open to learning and listening. Um, so, mm. you know, it's very easy to say I am the best. And you see it all the time on the Facebook comments all the time. I mean, Gran Turismo released a video of me doing the Zonda around Catalonia after just straight after a patch had happened and it made the car 10 times easier to drive and go quicker. And everyone's like, oh, I can beat this guy. No problem. <laughs> and then they think they're the best in the world. And they're like, oh, I can beat all these guys. Easy peasy, but I can't get in because of X, Y, and Z. But in reality, you know, yeah. they're there for a reason. That that you know, people like TRL Lightning are insanely quick. So look at what they're doing. Just learn what they're doing. Just try and pick out little key factors. So one thing that I have not really talked about often, and so people noticed this happened. So I, after one of the races, um, I talked to Lightning. I was like, "Do you think this car's unbalanced or, or, or balanced in terms of fuel usage uh, into Lagos?" So he took it out, and I watched the entire. He did the entire race stint for me. Uh, he fuel saved uh, and he raced in the Subaru that that the previous day as well. So he had a direct comparison with the Subaru there um, and he raced and he did the laps and he came in and uh, I'd, see, I'd seen what he'd done. I'd seen what he was doing. I could uh, acknowledge this. Uh, he came in and went, no, I think that car's pretty fine. Actually, I think it's pretty balanced. So I was like, oh, it's fine. It's fine by me. You know, second opinion, job done. But what I'd done there is I'd also taken, uh, I could see some a few pointers that I could take away and apply to my own driving. Uh, which I did straight off the bat, basically. So I was open to learning, even though, um, you know, I just asked Lightning to test the car, basically, for me to see if it was balanced or not. Oh, that's brilliant. I mean, because it shows that you have, to, you have to be ready to learn and increase your knowledge, isn't it, so that you can adapt. Yeah. That, the, the hardest thing I have is trying to watch the people, you know, who do the fastest times on the videos, because I realise that, you know, if I don't pause, I mean, it's just, it, it sounds ridiculous. If I don't pause the video and make the settings right, then I miss the gears. You know, you got to have the camera angles and all the variable bits and all the pieces. The first time, of course, I forgot you could pause it. And of course, I was trying to do the settings and I missed half a lap by the time, you know, I'd got to the actual bit. That I was yeah. To, you know, if I have to go back to the start again and try and see it all. But it's also looking at that. And then when you, it always seems to be a bit different when you're then trying to do it yourself and say, well, he did this corner in fourth gear and then you're trying to figure it out. And of course, I end up going straight on into the wall, um, you know, doing the same bit. <laughs> so it's all. Uh, configuration so uh, a kind of learning experience but there's no doubt you have to be ready to try and learn and do yeah. better that um you know that's that's absolutely fantastic well hopefully at some point we'll get to see you race in, in real life on a sim or in or in, in perhaps even a racing series with all the other chaps that we've been talking about and of course girls as well do you, uh, do you um uh, follow uh, people like thea from the amazon um i know she's mm. uh, talked about you before as well on her streams i, I i've literally i, I struggle to keep up with any, like everyone to be honest with you because because i i work and then i uh, literally so this is my day in a nutshell I, I get up i shower i go to work i finish it between uh or generally speaking between 6 and 8 p.m i then literally sit on the computer uh, or, or start the stream or whatever it might be um and then literally i finish that i have half an hour and then i go to bed that's generally what I'm doing at the moment. So I I, I struggle to find or, or or watch content. I try I do try and watch it when I can, but sometimes yeah. it, it, it's hard. But I do follow like you know upcoming uh, because one thing I want to see and one thing Grand Turismo wants to see actually are, are female drivers in the competitions. There's no reason why they can't. Yeah. You know, in real yeah. life, they say it's um, because of you know the physical difference between men and women but in reality um, you know in in simulation especially there's no there's nothing there. It's just purely you know getting yeah. out there and doing it so i have followed that for quite a while so like i followed the first ever female gt academy um uh, finalist which was phaser uh uh you know she got in she, she got in there that was pretty amazing and then there was i can't remember her name but i think there was somebody from thailand who did it as well so it's nice to see that more yeah. uh more more females are, are getting into the sport basically yeah. well i think the formula w series they were always going to do a sim racing championship but i don't think it ever took off because we were all kind of think that could be really quite good great you know great publicity and there were some you know it was a great championship anyway it was a pity they with everything that's been happening this year that they've not been able to carry it out um but uh, but no i think they see there's plenty of opportunities and as you say with sim racing it's a great equalizer um because it's all you know it's everyone has a shot and it's pretty much it's pretty much level pegging really isn't it it's not there's yeah. not really a big advantage yes you can have more expensive gear but ultimately it's probably not going to get you an awful lot extra in terms of time unless you're you know incredibly gifted 
and um, to be able to use that but um no that's absolutely fantastic that um well look, uh, thank you very very much for it because that's just, just over an hour there of uh, constant questions um which you've done extremely well and uh, especially with your fantastic community there giving us plenty to talk about uh, and plenty to, to have a good laugh with as well but uh, if it's your first time or if you've been watching the car seven race driver channel for a wee while and you've subscribed to our channel please make sure that you subscribe to tisley's channel as well he's a great laugh you need to watch those wreckfest videos and streams as well they are fantastic you'll hear tisley laugh away as he's crunching into someone in a old volkswagen caravel van or was it one of those kind of the 1970s I'm the most. They're fantastic they're really 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 brilliant um great to watch and just the uh, atmosphere the, the emotions that you have when you race and all that the, the, it's just a great atmosphere to watch uh, your streams as well so it's been brilliant having you on the, or having you on the show here and uh, thank you to all everyone in the chat everyone who's been watching who'll be listening to this on the podcast it's great to have you with us and if you'd like to subscribe to my channel here then you'd be very very welcome as i say we've got uh, the, the the interviews here with tisley and also a big back catalog um, of sim racers as well but um, to, uh, if you stay on the line at the moment, I'll finish the show with our famous catchphrase, which is drive fast and try not to crash. And next week, we've got Super GT on as well from nine o'clock. So make sure you don't miss that. But to everyone here, thank you very much. And to Tijni, you've been a fantastic guest. <laughs> Meet you all soon. Bye just now.